Welcome to the North Main Podcast, a production of North Main Street Church of God in Butler, Pennsylvania. This podcast brings you North Main's messages every week. We strive to know God intimately, grow in Christ continually, and go for Him daily. I invite you to listen in today as we explore the Bible and learn about its unchanging truths for living life God's way. Let's listen in to this week's message. So this morning, we are going to be continuing on with our sermon series called Family Dynamics, uh, where we're looking through the Bible and we're looking at families uh, throughout the Bible, families that uh, some of you may be familiar with, maybe you don't know the full stories behind them. And uh, we're looking at some of the dysfunctions that happen within those families, because truth be told, those dysfunctions that happened then are happening now. They happened uh, throughout the centuries, they continue to happen, and my bet is they will continue to happen going forward. Uh, Humans have been the same uh, throughout history, and we repeat ourselves over and over and over again. And so what we can do is we can look at some of these stories. We can look at how God reacted to some of these things, how God interacted with some of these people, and how the people kind of did the same thing with God, how they interacted and reacted to him, and what that did to the family. So we saw last week uh, the dysfunction that happened within the very first family, right? Uh, Cain and Abel, we saw the breakdown happen very quickly there. And uh, this week we're going to be looking at Noah's family. And the passage we're going to be looking at is one that is uh, maybe unfamiliar to some people. It might be uh, something that you're familiar with, but a lot of times uh, when we read the story of Noah, we stop right before coming up to this part. Uh, We read the story about um, everything going into him building the ark. We read the story about everything about him bringing the animals and God sending the animals, and we read about the flood, and we read about the flood ending, and then we kind of stop. We're like, you God sent the rainbow, and it's good. Um, And the story continues on. And some things do end up happening to Noah's family, and it does break down a bit. And we see some um, dysfunction that happens, and again, it's something that, is, uh, that happens today within our families. And we're going to look at this passage because not only is this passage one that maybe you're unfamiliar with, um, but it's also one that has a couple of different uh, interpretations. And some of those are kind of difficult. And uh, one of the things that I really appreciate from my education is I went to Grove City College and my very best professors there, um, what they would do is they would take a uh, whatever we were talking about and they would try to find a... Uh, source from the far right, they try to find a source from the far left, and they try to find a source kind of from the middle of the road, and they would present us with all of them, and they would teach the evidence of all of them, and they'd kind of allow us to look and see, well, which one holds up the best? And uh, what that allowed me to do is really take ownership of my faith. It was, uh, it was an opportunity to kind of go through the Bible systematically and say, well, this is what a lot of the uh, theologians believe, and what do I believe? You know, what do I believe within that um, place? And there's a lot of times where I felt kind of right in that middle place. Um, but there were some times where I was like, you know, actually, I kind of believe, you know, this over here or this over here. And so this morning, what I'm going to do is I'm going to present to you before we get into any of the points, kind of three interpretations of this passage. Because I think it's important, like I said, that we know what's out there, what people think and say. Because you may, inter- or you may encounter someone at some point who says, oh yeah, I know that passage and it's about this. And you'd be like, 
uh, what? <laughs> that's not what I heard, or that's not what my pastor said. And so we, I like to, and Pastor Brandon, I think, tries to do that as well, um, where we try to t- give you a well-rounded view and then tell you what we think and why we think it. And so the passage we're going to look at today, again, is in Genesis 9, Genesis 9, 18 through 28. So this is after the flood, after um, all the floodwaters had receded, after God had sent the rainbow, after all of those events, um, Noah and his family are reestablishing the earth. They're trying to replace themselves. They're trying to rebuild after this um, catastrophic event. And we have this event here in 18. The sons of Noah who came out of the boat with their father were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham is the father of Canaan. From these three sons of Noah came all of the people who now populate the earth. After the flood, Noah began to cultivate the ground, and he planted a vineyard. One day he drank some wine that he made, and he became drunk, and he lay naked inside of his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, came and saw his father was naked and went outside and told his brothers. Then Shem and Jepheth took a robe, held it over their shoulders, backed into the tent, and covered their father. As they did this, they looked the other way so as not to see him naked. When Noah woke from his stupor, he learned what Ham, his youngest son, had done. And then he cursed Canaan, the son of Ham. May Canaan be cursed. May he be the lowest of servants to his relatives. Then Noah said, May the Lord, the God of Shem, be blessed. And may Canaan be his servant. May God expand the territory of Japheth. And may Jepheth share with the prosperity of Shem. And may Canaan be his servant. Noah lived another 350 years after the great flood. He lived 950 years, and then he died. So if you're unfamiliar with this passage, it's a strange one, right? Maybe for the very first time you're hearing it, you're like, I was not aware that that was in there or what this is about. And so, um, like I said, we're going to break it down. The very first um, way that this can be interpreted Uh, This whole story is a very literal interpretation. It's kind of the most conservative view of the um, of the passage, and basically what it looks at is it says that Ham approached Noah, saw that he was naked, came out, and made fun of him in front of his brothers, and uh, then his brothers respectfully went in, covered him up. And uh, then Noah came out, found out that his youngest son was making fun of him and everything, and then he got upset and cursed his youngest son's family. Most conservative. Now, here's one of the issues, why there are other interpretations. The word where it says that um, where Ham saw Noah's nakedness. And I'm not a uh, scholar in Hebrew, so I'm going to butcher this, but the, the phrase is, Erwat, it's E-A or E-R-W-A-T, Erwat, and it means to see nakedness, to see um, someone, and that, that is interpreted differently throughout the Bible. Um, in a lot of places, that same word or that same Hebrew phrase is interpreted as a sexual relation. We see that actually in the book of uh, Leviticus, which is right down from that we see in Leviticus, they're giving laws for the people of, um, of the Israelites. They're, they're going through and God's kind of giving out, here's what you should do beyond the Ten Commandments to try and make sure that his land is set apart. And in Leviticus 18.8, it says, or in 
uh, Leviticus 18.7, it says, Do not violate your father by having sexual relations with your mother. She is your mother. You must not have sexual relations with her. And then in 8, it says, Do not have sexual relations with any of your father's wives, for this would violate your father. In those passages, it's the same word. It's that erwat that is used to, um, where we, vi- we translate it in this part, do not violate your father. It would say, do not erwat your father. Do not see your father's nakedness by having erwat, sexual relations, with your mother. And so you can kind of, uh, it has different uh, interpretations. And so the second interpretation of this Noah scene is a more troubling one. And it is that Noah's youngest son came in, found him drunk in a stupor, um, sexually assaulted him. And then um, when he came out, his brothers found out what he had done. They had discovered this. They came in, came to Noah, took care of him in that moment. And then when Noah came to and finally figured out what had happened, he cursed Ham and his family. Now, again, you get into some other circles, and it depends on which interpretation that pastor or preacher has decided to go into. I lean more towards the first one. There are people that I have been colleagues with that have vehemently leaned towards the second one. And honestly, if I'm going to be truthful, I'm open to the second one happening as well. Because the same thing, if you say, well, oh, you know, why would the Bible talk about a sexual assault in a family that's so disgusting? It happens elsewhere. We're going to talk about David further on, and it happens within David's family as well. So the idea of sexual assault, and guess what? That happens today. As, as sad and as terrible as it is, it happens within families today. And so um, that I'm Again, I'm open to that. I don't necessarily think that it has to be that way. I think it can be as equally validly interpreted as the first interpretation. The third and most liberal interpretation would be that this whole passage was made up and added on later to the story of Noah to explain the hatred between the Canaanites and the Israelites. So if you think about this, you have an age-old hatred where you hate this people, you hate your neighbors over here, you know you guys are related, (laughs) you guys have come from similar families, Uh, if you trace the generations back far enough, but you hate each other. Um, You're not quite sure why, and your kids come and say, well, why do we hate the Canaanites? Why do we hate them? Oh, well, you know what? Uh, Their great-great-great-great-great-grandfather did something really terrible, and so they're bad people. And so the more liberal interpretation is that this was added in generations later as an explanation to why there was battling and fighting and, um, and this kind of hatred between these two nations. Why I think this one doesn't hold water for me personally is that that is not how Jesus Christ treats any of these scriptures. You can look at Jesus Christ and how he interacts with the Old Testament, and everything that he interacts with it, he takes it as, um, if not literally, he takes the story and the truth behind it as what is important. So we, we see him interact with the Old Testament as that, and so had it been something added, he is God, I would think that he'd be like, hey, discard that part, <laughs> you know, or, you know, this part's not right, um, and he never does anything like that. So my... Uh, 
kind of a long explanation for this passage going into it, but uh, when Pastor Brandon asked me to speak on this, he kind of chuckled, and he's like, do you want to do this one? And I was like, ah, and he's like, well, you don't have to get into it. And I was like, but I want to, because I want everyone to feel like when they read through the Bible, they are educated in, in the ideas that are out there. Because you are going to interact with people um, who are Christians in other churches who have been preached to at other things. And uh, if the better you understand why they think what they think, the more the better you can have an actual conversation with them. Um, so, kind of just going from that, we're going to dive into. And like I said, I am comfortable with the first two. So either way, whether or not it looks at a situation of just like utter disrespect or a situation of disrespect through sexual assault, um, either one, we can talk about those and how those would impact families. Um, and like I said, I'm going to lean more towards the um, disrespect one whenever I'm talking today. And when I was making my points and thing, I was leaning more towards this interpretation that he had simply seen his father naked, comes out, makes fun of him in front of his brothers, and then his brothers are like, that's really disrespectful. We need to go take care of. Then one of the reasons why some people have trouble with that is the punishment is very severe <laughs> for making fun of like your father. But another example of why that is possibly a good example or explanation is that in those times, we see that through women wearing um, head coverings and their, their full garb of clothing, um, men as well, to be seen naked was essentially in many ways and in many situations the same as they didn't really differentiate in a lot of ways between nakedness and sexual relations. Like when you saw someone naked, it was part of the sexual relations between those people. And so it could very be that they were the kind of intertwined in the same thing, that by very the, the very act of seeing him uh, naked was this kind of taboo faux pas of breaching a, a, a sexual boundary that they had had in that culture. And so um, either way, it's a, it's a place where Ham kind of breached this, this respect for his, his uh, father, and we see Noah react when he comes out of it. So what can we take out of this? What can we take out of this strange little story on the back of one that we're all so familiar with? Um, and I think the, the key point here is, is one that is uh, good for us just to, to look at because it's so, it happens so often that disrespect within families breeds dysfunction, which leads to estrangement. And we're going to look at disrespect um, and what that kind of means. And, uh, and I think when we think about disrespect, I think a lot of people, uh, I looked up the, the definition of respect, I have it here. Um, and I think a lot of times when we think of respect, we think of the very first definition in the, in the dictionary. It says a feeling of deep admiration for someone or something that elicited, their, uh, elicited by their abilities, qualities, or their achievements. And so a lot of times when we're told to respect um, family members or when we're told to respect um, our parents or when we're told to respect our elders or people that are in authority, we struggle with that because like we don't, you know, I don't feel a deep admiration for that person. Maybe, sometimes, maybe you do. But there's a lot of times when we look at leaders and we say, I don't feel admiration for them. I don't think that what they're doing or their abilities or their qualities are something that is worth being respected. But the second is a better definition, I think, of what God is talking about in this place. And it's talking about due regard for the feelings, wishes, rights, and traditions of others. 
And it says, the example it gives is, young people's lack of respect for their parents. And that's the definition um, underneath kind of this one. I think we get kind of confused. We look at God talking about respecting your parents or respecting people within families. We see this story and we say, oh my gosh, like all he did was disrespect his dad. And again, depending on your interpretation, maybe it was much worse. But if we go in the one that, that I'm using, then all he did was disrespect his dad. Why would this happen? Why would we go so far? And, uh, and we see that uh, God has a lot of um, strong opinions about respect, and especially within families. And so that's why I actually don't have trouble with um, the punishment kind of coming from this, because the way that curses work in the Old Testament, too, are not always how we think of, like, a curse. Like, we think of a curse like a, like a black magic curse, right? Like, especially it's Halloween season, right, where a witch is going to curse you. In the Old Testament, a lot of times, a curse from God was someone speaking the truth of what was going to happen. You think about Adam and Eve, what, what we were talking about um, in the marriage series, where Pastor Brandon talked about how God was... They were cursed, but it was simply him talking about, because of your decision that you've made, this is what's going to happen. Your curse is brought on by yourself. It's not some sort of magic. It's not sort of something, anything. And I think in this place, Noah is looking at his son and he's saying, this is my son who disrespects me to, my, to his core by doing this. So his family is going to disrespect me. And his family is going to disrespect the rest of my family. And it's going to lead to a separation and he says, you know, I, I, and his continued curse is a hope. He says, I hope that, that your disrespectful family ends up, uh, you know, being the servants of your, of your brothers. You know, I hope that that's where it goes. You know, I, th I think you're going to continue to be disrespectful. And so these curses, they don't work quite like, uh, I, I think it's an older language. It's an older kind of way of speaking. But you can see this in families where you, maybe one sibling is just like this, like, rebellious person or this person who's completely disrespectful and, and the parent just being like, man, like, can't you be like your brothers or your sisters? You know, I hope you could be a little bit more like them. I hope that you end up like them. Or maybe you could, you know, work with them a little bit and learn a thing or two. And in this moment, I think that's more where Noah's place is. He's saying, you are disrespecting me. You are disrespecting our family. And I wish that you would just take a little bit off of your brothers. And you're going to end up working for them because in life, being disrespectful leads to loss, not to gain. And so... Um, but why does God take, I mean, where do we see this present as being um, something that God is passionate about? And just a few chapters later, or I mean, a few uh, books later, we see God give a command to respect your parents. And that's the, uh, the next point, is that God commands that we respect our parents. That we respect the people within our family. Like, it's specifically for parents. We see this in Exodus 20. It's Exodus 20, 12. Um, it says, honor your father and mother, and then you will live a long, full life in the land of the Lord your God is giving you. It's the only one in there, I mean, you've probably heard this before, but it's the only of the Ten Commandments that comes with, like, a proclamation that if you do this, uh, you'll, good things will happen. And again, this isn't a magic spell. It's just God saying, listen, this is how I have created things to work. And when you are respectful of the people that are put in authority over you, then it breeds good things. 
Good things for you, good things for your family, good things for the group. We see that within any kind of group dynamic. If you think about, um, even if you take um, humanity out of it and you look at nature, again, this is not me saying that we are you know, just animals, but you can look at animals and see they are also creations of God and they function in similar ways sometimes. And if there was an animal like in a pack that is not functioning or is actively dysfunctioning, what are the, what's that going to do to the pack? What's that going to do to the group? If, if there's a person within that or a, a thing within that group that is like going against the group, a lot of times they're either going to shun it because um, it's a cruel world um, or, they're going, or it's going to bring down the um, effectiveness of that group. And we see that within family units, but then so often we wonder, well, you know, why can't you know, why, why does God tell me that I have to respect my parents? Or why does God say, like, you don't know my parents? I hear that a lot. I dealt with youth for 10 years. I was a youth pastor for 10 years. And one of the things that I heard over and over and over again was, you don't know my parents. And that leads me into the second point, And I'm going to do a little caveat here. The, the second point is that... Um, you can respect ungodly people. You can respect an ungodly person. You can give them the respect that they're talking about in Scripture without compromising who you are or compromising your belief in God. And again, uh, this is the caveat that I want to give. I am not speaking about any kind of abuse. If abuse happens within a relationship, then you need to distance yourself from that person and alert someone who you love and who you trust who will help you in that situation. However, there are times that someone maybe just aggravates you, maybe just annoys you, maybe just, you know, it knows how to, you know, switch that switch that takes you from zero to 100. And that person can do that on a dime. And maybe that person doesn't have the same morals as you. Maybe that person doesn't have the same values as you. Maybe that person... Uh, doesn't have the same political beliefs, or maybe they don't have the same religious beliefs. How do I respect that person? And if you're thinking, well, you know, the Bible, you know, there's a, there's a line to be drawn. Yeah, you know, respecting your parents, that's something. Well, we see Jesus talk about this very thing in the New Testament over and over again. What we see in Mark, um, it's Mark 12, and uh, Jesus is talking to um, these religious leaders, and he's questioned about um, taxes, paying your taxes. And they ask him if he should pay his taxes. And um, Jesus says, why are you trying to trap me? Show me a Roman coin, and I'll tell you. When he, they handed it to him, he asked, whose picture is, and title is stamped on it? They said, Caesar's. Um, well, then he, Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs to God. A lot of times we talk about um, this passage of being like, don't get caught up in things of this world, but he's honestly saying, pay your taxes because there's a person in authority over you and that is their place and their right to do. And that's hard for us because we look at that person, and, uh, a person in authority, um, you know, even if it's not our parents or even if, it, if it's someone in government or if it's someone above us and we say, they are wrong. They, don't, they are not a Christian. They aren't following God. They are someone who is so far from God, and I do not want to obey them. I do not want to respect them. And again, I'm not talking about having an admiration for them. That's, that's that first definition. What I'm talking about is giving them the due right that they have in the place of authority that they've been given by God. And you might say, well, that person does not have 
the place that they've been given by God. Romans 13.1, Paul says, all authority is given by God. All authority is given by God. And here's the thing is that you might say, well, why would God put an evil person in charge? I don't fully know, but my gut tells me that that person has a choice, has free will, has the ability to be good in that authority, make good choices, lead people in such a way that is helpful and and life-affirming. And God will use it either way. When we look at those things, whether you choose to be a good leader or choose to be a bad leader, God says, I will choose it, but I'm going to let this person have the opportunity. Why he lets certain people have the opportunity, I'm not sure. And trust me, I get just as frustrated as you do sometimes. But when we are interacting with people who are in authority over us, we have to remember that biblically speaking, we are to give them the respect. Now, I am not talking about compromising again, and this is not a place where this is a person who is taking advantage of you, either emotionally or physically or, or spiritually. Um, I'm talking about just people who, hey, they are doing their job, and maybe that annoys you. Maybe it, it, um, it makes you angry. Earlier, um, the worship team did a, a book study on, uh, it's called The Bait of Satan, and it's just all about how... Um, our anger and our, our resentment towards people is our own choice and about how letting go of those things allows us to be respectful in a situation when it might not uh, otherwise warrant it. I think of an example in my own life. I've, I've played um, sports a lot growing up, and, and the sport of choice for me was lacrosse, and I loved lacrosse, and I've had a lot of different um, coaches, good and bad, and um, one of the coaches that I had it was one of the worst, and he actively would tell us to cheat. We would run drills learning how to cheat, um, to hit people in such a way that would take them out of the game. Um, to I remember I was a goalie, and I remember our coach telling our team, the first shot you take on the opposing team's goalie, I don't want you to aim for the net. I want you to aim for him anywhere as hard as you can. That way, the next shot that goes in, he's going to flinch. And it was just dirty thing after dirty thing after dirty thing. And I remember that that person was in authority over me. And I remember struggling so much with that. Like, this person should not be a coach. This person should not be a coach. And uh, being like, I don't even know why I would play on this team and just thinking about quitting and, like, all these things that go through my head. And I remember just thinking about what the Scripture would say, thinking about what, I was called to do in this person who'd been placed in authority over me. And I said, I can respect this person without compromising who I am. He cannot force me to cheat on the field. He cannot force me to injure another player. He cannot force me to use foul language. He cannot force me to ta- uh, like taunt people. And if he is upset that I'm not doing those things, then he can pull me off and he can put me on the bench. And guess what? I never got pulled off and put on the bench because I could play the sport. And I was just playing the sport. And, and in the end, that's what it was all about. And so his whole thing was, it was a total aside. And, and it never 
negatively impacted me. I could show this person respect. I never mouthed back to the person. I never mouthed back to the coach. I never uh, disparaged him outside. There was a lot of players who would be like, oh, he's the worst coach we've ever had. You know, we should just not listen to him. Wouldn't it be funny if one day we just, you know, everything he said, we did the opposite. And I never did any of those things because I, I felt like, you know, first off, I knew my mom and dad would be really upset with me. And uh, I also just knew that that's not what I was called to do. And I know, I know that sometimes in family dynamics specifically, it's different because I got done with my two-hour practice and I could go home and I didn't have to deal with that person until the next day at practice. And sometimes you're sitting there, some of you are thinking, I can't escape from this person. And they're constantly filling me with things that are vile or things that are um, against God and I do not know how to respect them. And here's the truth is that even in the moment we see Noah doing something that is dishonorable, right? He gets drunk, passes out, he's laying around naked. <laughs> and we see his two sons being respectful even though they are, pro- they are embarrassed by him. They're embarrassed. They can, they, I'm sure, you know, they don't, we don't know anything past what they, what it says, but you could, you could assume that um, they were taking this later on and they're saying, I don't want to do that. (laughs) You know, they're learning lessons from it. And here's where, you know, I think it gets really, really cool with um, respect. Uh, The last one is that respect opens doors instead of closing them. See, why I think God put such a big, Um, emphasis on respecting parents, respecting those in authority, is because it ends generational uh, dysfunction. See, disrespect breeds disrespect. It breeds estrangement. That's that's our main point. It breeds estrangement. It breeds uh, separation. It does not bring people together. And we see uh, one of the interesting things in my Bible here, it, it breaks down um, the people that came from these, these three sons. So Sham uh, was the father of the Hebrew nation, the Chaldeans, the Assyrians, the Persians, and the Armenians. Ham was the father of the Canaanites, the Egyptians, the Philistines, the Hittites, and the Amorites. Every single one of those nations was an antagonist to the Israelite nation. Uh, those, those nations never got along. These people, and it says the Greeks uh, were Jepeth, were the Greeks, the uh, Thracians, and the Scythians. We have these people that for generations never got along afterwards. They broke apart. Their families' dysfunction led to that. And we see, I've seen this personally in my own life. I've seen this in um, other people's lives when I'm trying to work with them uh, through counseling and things is that we lose track sometimes of even why we are upset. We lose track, and it's interesting why, I said the more liberal view of our interpretation of this passage is that, well, eventually they hated each other so much that they needed to come up with a reason, and they put that in, right? Why did, why did we land as a people now on that interpretation? My gut is because that's what we do. Right, And so we're like, oh, that's what they would do because that's what we do. We can't even, there's times in families where I talk to people and I say, you know, well, what, what was this all about? Where did it all start? Oh, I, don't, I don't know. 
My, my grandma said, you know, Aunt Susie, uh, you know, she's, she's always been evil. <laughs> I said, okay. okay. <laughs> it's like, and and it's, it steps back to that time she stole that pot, you know, and it's like, like, what are you talking about? You know, and it's like, you have no idea. They have no idea where this comes from. They have no idea where it is. And, and one of the neat things about, one of the neat things about disrespect and how it can be reversed is that, when you break it, when you show respect to the people who are in authority, it sets an example for your children and the people that are below you, and it stops that chain. It stops it. We see that happen in the Bible over and over again. We're going to talk about some of the people who do that, but we see people who have stepped up and they've said, you know what, no more. I'm not going to continue on with this this disrespectful um, nature. I'm not going to uh, treat you in such a way that breaks down our relationship. I'm going to try and build it back up. And that's where we come into today. I mean, I think that we can all admit that we have, uh, when we look at our families, there's a little bit of dysfunction. There's things where there's some disrespect that shows up from time to time. Um, it's funny because when we are... Uh, when you, my dad and I work together, and, and when you work together, there's a lot of times whenever um, things are going and, you're, and things get heated and you're talking about different things, and sometimes we are talking about religion and politics and business, and, and those are the three things you're not supposed to talk about, right? Um, and uh, we're talking about all those three things, and things get heated, and, and there's times when I've come back to him and said, hey, I'm sorry I was disrespectful. I, I raised my voice. I still disagree with you, <laughs> but you know, now I can say that in a calmer fashion, um, and that's okay. Respecting a person doesn't mean I have to agree with everything they say. It doesn't mean that I have to oh, like listen and, and compromise who I am. It doesn't mean that I have to um, admire them in any way. Uh, it can, right? That's that first definition. Those things can intermingle. But I want to encourage you. There's people in your life that I'm sure that have authority over you, whether that's a parent figure, a grandparent, um, someone who's a boss, and maybe you're struggling with respect. Maybe you're struggling with how do I give this person the proper authority? How do I give them even in my mind? And, and the first step that I'll give you that um, I found really helpful is capturing those thoughts right off the bat. Those thoughts when they creep in, this person is so stupid. No. Nope, I'm going to capture that. I'm going to put it out. Because the more you let those things dwell, the more you let that come in, that disrespect breeds and it builds and it builds until you just can't hold it in anymore. And then you start letting those things out. And it, I mean, when we think about respect, it goes both ways, obviously. A parent should respect their child as well. We, a reason why I don't think we get that in um, Scripture is because uh, the the purpose of the parent is laid out as the instructor. And so we see a, if the parent is doing their job correctly, they are supposed to be in that authority and they are supposed to be over that person and the respect doesn't flow exactly the same way. It should respect um, boundaries and things like that. Those should be there. Um, but that same kind of authority giving, it doesn't go both ways that same way, what we're talking about here. And so um, if things were gone the way that they were supposed to, Parents should raise up children in such a way that they honor God and that it is such a loving and forgiving and gracious environment, um, teaching them and instructing them in God. And the, parent, the kids respecting, listening, obeying, and then when they get to a point, they can step off 
get married, start their own family, and the process restarts. That's what it's supposed to look like. That's how God intended it, but it breaks down. But the cool thing is, is it can be restored through Christ, through this idea. That's what Christ says. Just capturing those thoughts and sending them to nowhere does nothing. It just stockpiles them in the corner until they fall over on you. Taking them and sending them to Christ allows him to capture them and take them away and say, listen, I know that you're struggling with this, but I give you the Holy Spirit. I will let you capture those thoughts, and I will allow you to be in that situation what I need you to be. And so I want to encourage you, like I said, this is a, uh, is a time that uh, families come together, right? We're coming into Thanksgiving. I, I was prepping this, and I just couldn't help but think about like, Thanksgiving, just like all the fights that go in. Uh, I, there's so many of my friends, and honestly, we, we kind of chuckle, but so many of my friends are like, I hate Thanksgiving dinner. And a lot of them are like, you know, especially since the pandemic and since all the election stuff and all these different things, like it's become very heated in families. And I want to encourage you that you can break it. That doesn't mean that you don't ever have to talk about those things. It doesn't mean that you never have to express your opinion. You just have to sit there silently and take whatever is being fed to you. But it means that you keep your cool, you keep your temper you show the person respect because that's the place that they've been given by God. You can express your opinion, and if they don't agree, then they don't agree. And I think you'll be surprised by the amount of change that happens. When you approach people in that way, even people who maybe have been the nastiest or the meanest or the, the most cruel to you, they tend to soften because they're like, oh, well, they're actually listening, they're engaging with me, we can have a real conversation, and bridges start to be mended. Um, seen that in, in my family, seen that in, uh, in in-laws' families, we've, we've seen that happen, uh, where you kind of just take that first step even though you don't want to, and you say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bite my tongue, or I'm going cool, to keep a cool head, and we're going to see where this goes. And the cool thing is that God gives us that remedy. He says, listen, if you respect your parents, you respect the people in authority, if you respect your family, things turn out good, because that's how I designed it. So I want to encourage you to try that, try taking those steps uh, especially in this season where you're going to be seeing family possibly, where you're going to be interacting. Um, take that step to try and, and show that respect and, and be in that, that situation, even though I know it's really hard sometimes, especially when we all as humans don't make it too easy. Uh, with that, I'm going to invite our worship team to come on up, and uh, let's close with prayer. <laughs> Dear God, we just come before you this morning, and we lift you up. We thank you so much for giving us Just your word that, that, it's just astounding. It's astounding that it can be so helpful from such a long time ago. God, your word is everlasting and it is truth. God, we, in this moment, we lift up our family dysfunctions to you. God, family heartbreak, it rips apart generations the thing that is supposed to bring us security and stability and strength in this world that was designed by you to be a small replica of your oneness with the, with the Trinity, God. We, we are meant to strive after that, and yet we, we, we break it. And so, God, this morning we lift up those things. We lift up our, our brokenness. We lift up our sin. We lift up the part that we play in that, our disrespect, we lift up our, uh, our ability to be difficult, God. 
God, we just pray that in our families, we are able to come to each other with humility. That we're able to endure that awkwardness for a moment to rekindle relationships. God, where we can soften instead of allowing our hearts to get harder and harder and harder, God. I just pray that over this congregation. I pray that over the families in this nation, whether they follow you or they don't, God. I pray for healing. God, we just, uh, we know that the family dynamic is broken. And it always has been. And so we just pray in this moment for healing. We thank you for your book. We thank you for your son. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit, through which is the only way we can achieve that healing. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. If you're struggling with something that's going on in your family, if you're struggling, maybe you want to let something go. You want to uh, just say, hey, I've, I've harbored this bitterness or I've harbored this anger for a family member, for an, a, a parent, um, and uh, I want to let that go. The altar is a great place to do that. Whether you think it's a symbolic gesture or whether or not they, you think there's power in this place right here, it's going to be something that helps you landmark this place right now saying, I'm going to make a change. And God is present in this whole place. And so I would encourage you in this, as we sing this closing song, if it's something that you want to let go of, if there's something you want to change, if you want to say, hey, like, you know, this season, that's what I want to do. I want to close out this year strong with my family. I want to try and bring unity any way I can. Come down here, talk to, talk to God. Give that up to him. Ask for his help and his guidance. Maybe you've dealt with a lot of hurt and brokenness and you're not there yet. And you're saying, you know, in this moment now, I can't, there's no way I can respect my authority. Or maybe you say, you know what? I've been so disrespected by a child, by an employee, by whatever. They are written out of my book forever. Give that to God. That's not his desire. That's not me saying that. That's his word saying that. That is not what he wants for your life. The altars are open. If you come to my right, you are left. People will come and help you work through that prayer. They'll pray with you. If you want to come to my left, your right, it's open to come and be praying by yourself and uh, talk to God there. But I encourage you, make that move. Make that commitment. Thanks for joining us this week. Check back next week as we dig deeper and go further in our understanding of God's Word. Make sure to visit us on our website, www.northmaincog.org, where you can learn more about us. If you found value in today's message, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be helpful too. Donating to the ongoing ministry of North Main is easy. Just go to our website and click on the Give tab at the top of the screen. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week.